What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada Sports Betting Podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, I'm joined by Andy Molitor, Director of Sports Betting Content for BetSperts, an up-and-coming website and app that will help you track your bets in a very detailed way, whether you're new to sports betting or a long-time handicapper. We discuss how he went from a young fan in Minnesota to weaving his way to a well-regarded podcast host to his position with BetSperts. Then we'll talk a little college hoops, I'll have my place for Thursday night, and of course, let's do that hockey. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to The Window. I'm your host and sports betting professional, Matt Russell. Winning days and nights are fun. Love coming on here and rehashing games, commiserating over losses, celebrating the wins. But when I can have a guest on, it's just a little bit different. I'm fired up today. And you guys should be too, mainly because you get to hear someone else's take on things out there, not just mine. If you're relatively new to this podcast, I started this series during the summer last year, calling it From the Window to the Screen, featuring different people in the sports betting industry, people who can help you get better at betting. So go back and check those out. But since then, we've done a few of those as part of the various sports seasons once sports came back. And last November, we had a gentleman on by the name of Drew Dinsick on the show talking about his path to the sports betting industry and a little NFL. Drew is the co-host of the Deep Dive podcast. And today we've got the better half. Well... We'll let you decide whether that's the case. He's the co-host of the Deep Dive podcast, Brown Bag Bets on YouTube, and perhaps more importantly, the director of content with BetSperts. More on that a little bit later on. Andy Molitor, welcome to the window, my friend. Thanks, Matt. It's awesome. Awesome being on. Glad to have you here. I've had you atop the uh, the to-get list for a while. Uh, I saw you tweeted out a picture of Steve Nash earlier today. I assume... That was foreshadowing your excitement for coming on this Canadian show. I had, Is that the case? I had not even thought about his uh, Canadian connections. No, I just uh, <laughs> I I had bet on Santa Clara last night. I'd forgotten until uh, I was looking into some stuff. I was just doing some quick Santa Clara research, bringing some things up, and one of the articles that popped to the top of the feed was the fact that Steve Nash was coaching against uh, another alum the other night when they faced the Hawks. Uh, and it could have been weeks ago, honestly, who knows how the Google algorithms work. I'm like, dang, I forgot about that. I would have, <laughs> I would have been in like third grade when he was playing out there. So I uh, just kind of a nod to the people that played that along with me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at, at the very least, you know, it's a good way to suck up to the Canadian portion of this audience uh, though I don't know how many of them were uh, were alive to uh, to witness them knocking off Arizona in the tournament in the early 90s. So before we get your take on college basketball this season, as the listeners know, we have to put you through your paces to get your credentials and learn a little bit more about you. So let's start at the beginning. Uh, where are you from originally and who were your sports allegiances as a kid? Oh, definitely all Minnesota allegiance. You know, my father loved his Vikings. Uh, the Twins won a couple World Series when I was very young, right before your team took a couple. So 
It was, uh, I was very young. I barely remember that, but uh, big Twins fan, big Vikings fan. Obviously, the Timberwolves came along. We lost the North Stars, but we gained the Wild. So, Minnesota fan, I, I have kind of, you know, railed on about how some of that has died with gambling. It's hard to be a fan sure. and a gambler at the same time. Yeah. I think some of my fandom has died. Uh, if I had to say, you know, I'm actually a sports fan of any, it'd probably still be the Twins. And I think it's because I don't really bet baseball, or I'm I'm fine, you know, <laughs> having somebody to root for. I do I do root for the college squads around here, you know, Minnesota, South Dakota State, but uh, yeah, Minnesota through and through. Yeah, if it's funny, if you don't bet on a particular sport, it's sort of like it's it's almost not even a sport anymore. It's sort of this other thing that just sort of exists, right? Because you consider sports now things that you bet on because we bet on all of these different sports. So, you know, seriously, it's like this whole other, you know, existence when you're talking about a baseball or, you know, for me up until, you know, this year, I'm really more into NHL regular season because the regular season's so short and you can um, tighten things up with the fact that a lot of these, you know, all these teams are playing in their own division. And so it kind of becomes, you know, I completely ignore two out of the four divisions, kind of treating them as their own league. But normally, you know, I'm from Vancouver originally. And so, like, I'm a Canucks fan. It's the only thing that I have left in my DNA from a sporting standpoint. So um, you're from Minnesota. Uh, if you had to pick, you know, this is a Toronto-based podcast, uh, Paul Molitor or Dave Winfield as former Blue Jays and Minnesota uh, connection there? Which, who, who, who's the bigger guy? I mean, Paul Molitor is pretty big around here just based on the – he did some coaching and he was with the organization for a while. But, man, Winfield was maybe the greatest athlete of all time that people don't talk about. That guy, I mean, that guy oh, was like absolutely. a three three-sport stud. They both, uh, I, I believe he actually went to the same high school as Joe Maurer, too, who's a homegrown kid here. But yeah, oh, really? Winfield, Winfield was something else. So, and, you know, I probably should give the nod to Paul Molitor since we share a last name and are probably distantly related. But uh, yeah, I'd, <laughs> I was going to ask if there was any relation. No relation at all, eh? Uh, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere down the line, I bet. There's not that so, many. I there's suppose, not that yeah, many yeah. of us. <laughs> That makes a ton of sense. Uh, so probably my favorite question that I ask the guests. So, you know, you're a kid, you're a sports fan, you're cheering for your teams, you're cheering against the rivals, you're cheering for whatever helps you in the playoffs. When did you realize that you could bet on sports? When, you know, like, at what point was it something that you found out, like, there's such a thing as sports books? Like, beyond somebody just sort of saying to you, like, I'll bet you five bucks you know, my team beats your team or that kind of thing. Like when did you, when did it hit you that sports betting was an actual thing? I think maybe once fantasy football got a little more serious, you know, uh, we played it as kids just for fun, bragging rights or whatever. And then maybe once I first got into a league where you could pay, pay to play and there was a cash prize to win. It's like, Oh, like this is a, this is a full on thing that you could take seriously and, you know, actually take something away from it. And then, you know, obviously once you get a little older, people just betting each other here or there on, you know, sporting events. And, you know, once I got into uh, out of high school into college, that was kind of the, the time frame where there started to be some online, you know, offshore places where you could play some bets. And I, I wish I could remember who introduced me to that, but I I don't know if I should thank him. Yeah. There's always one guy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's always one guy who's like, you know, 
we could go on this website and uh, and Drew told, told told a great story of sort of finding that one guy when he was you're in college and you're sort of you eventually find out oh there's such thing as sports betting uh first of all where did you where did you go to school south dakota state so out in the jackrabbit territory there oh okay cool okay very cool um so what were you what was the plan like what was you know nobody grows up because we didn't even know that it was a thing nobody really grows up going like i want to be in sports betting like i don't want to you know i want to be a professional sports better i want to you know be in the content business for sports betting what was your plan when you went to school what was what was supposed to happen oh man i originally started as a pharmacy major and that was wow that was a little, I like science. I like math, but boy, that was a little too much science and math too early in the morning. <laughs> I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed the, the social scene in college a little too much to be taking some of those classes. So ended up switching majors a couple of times, but I mean, yeah, like, I mean, how old I'm trying to think how old I am now. It's funny how you forget how old you are after a certain age. But I do it all the don't time. Matter. But you know, like what? So 15 years ago, yeah, I would have never thought of doing something like this or being involved in the sports gambling industry whatsoever. Like I wouldn't even have thought there would be something like this. You know, I could see maybe, uh, you know, watching sports and thinking that'd be pretty cool to be, you know, a color commentator or something along those lines. But even that I didn't have any real aspirations of getting into that industry. So when you come out of college, like what, what's your career plan? Like, what do you I, oh, I've, I've done a couple different things. I was in the plastics industry for a while, just like, on what's that movie? The graduate plastics. Okay. So I, I actually, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I, it's funny. I've, I've bounced around a little bit. Uh, and I did, I did start a business, ended up selling that a while back before I, before I really dove into this. So, you know, I was, I was in plastics for a while, got burnt out on doing that and then ended up starting a business with some friends it was bought by a much bigger company i ended up working for them as a consultant and you know as i was doing that i was you know podcasting a ton you know doing doing okay. you know doing the deep dive with drew doing other stuff you know spending a lot of my time doing this so it was nice to actually have something come along when, you know, where I'm at now, the bet spurts job, where it's like, Oh, do you want to do this full time? Like, yeah, that would be awesome right. because essentially I'm doing two jobs. I'm pretty sure my wife thought I was having an affair for a while because <laughs> when, when I started the podcast, you know, I would, we would record in the evenings right. Drew's West coast. Yeah. So it's earlier there. And I, I, I don't know. I, you know, this was four years ago. I guess right. I didn't want to come home and say, Hey honey, I'm making a podcast. Cause I would have to explain to her what it was. And I, I don't know if I was embarrassed or just didn't want to tell her. Right. So I just, I'm like, oh, right. I'm working, I'm working late. I just got to work late. I'm, you know, you, you own your own business. Oh, it's wow. a lot of hours. So I would I just like a didn't... closeted podcast. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was like secretly having a podcast affair where, you know, a couple <laughs> nights a week, I'd be like, Oh man, I really got to work late, especially during the football season. That's uh that's prime time for working late. So yeah, it was, wow. it was funny. Like I was, I was putting in a lot of hours because I was doing a full-time job and then still doing that on the side. So it's, it's awesome to just be doing this as a job now. So <laughs> I got to follow up with this part though. So at what point do you admit the podcasting to your wife, right? <laughs> like, does she accuse you of having an affair? And you're like, no, 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 it's a microphone. 
like, no and she's she's pretty laid back like she's she's cool i'll give her credit there like there there was just a point where i'm just like yeah i've been doing this podcast i can't remember the it wasn't it's probably good that i can't remember the exact moment because that would have meant it was and like a big fight or something so <laughs> i, I sure. remember just telling her and and then again like i said having to explain to her exactly what it was she's, it's like so she's like it's a radio show but it's not on the radio what does that even mean uh, go through the whole spiel oh, on that funny. but i remember yeah telling her and then it's like well now i can actually tell you my schedule like hey here's the nights i'll be late <laughs> So, I mean, before we get to kind of what you're doing now, how do you meet Drew? He sort of gave us his side of things, um, but especially from your side, given the sort of clandestine nature of, you know, what you were doing there sort of secretly on your end, how do you meet Drew and how do you guys decide to do a podcast? Like you had, you had been betting for a significant amount of time uh, up, up until that point, I assume, right? Yeah. He, uh, I was betting, you know, normal sports and he was betting tennis and anyone who bets tennis or honestly soccer, anything like that realizes like there's so many, there's so many matches. There's so much it's, it's in Europe, it's in Asia, it's all over. It'd be like if you could wake up at 10 AM and there was a really good football league in Turkey that you could bet on. And I mean, American football, it's awesome. You know, if if you really do want to just be dabbling here and there, I really, really enjoyed how tennis was all day long. He was putting out tennis picks. So we just got to chatting a little here and there. He actually put together a Twitter DM group that is still going. In fact, it's on the top of my DMs right now. I just pulled it because somebody just is, well, they're talking about soccer right now. Apparently things are going on in the Champions League. But um, okay, you know, there was a, you know, there was a tennis group put together. It might be five years ago now at this point, because it was right around the Australian Open when it got put together. And, I mean, it's still going strong. Some of the original members are still in there. So we talked. We chatted tennis quite a bit. He hit me up on the side with uh, some videos he'd made on a burner account because, you know, uh, Periscope is linked with Twitter. He was doing it through Periscope, but he didn't want anyone to see it. So he did it through a burner account that nobody was following. And he said, hey, can you show show me these? And I I told him, I'm like, well, you've got... uh, You've got a voice for radio. <laughs> what was it? Uh, uh, a face a, for radio? A face for radio and a voice for newspaper. And he thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> and, we, uh, and he, he said, you know, would you consider doing a podcast? I'm like, well, I don't know. First thing about that, but it doesn't sound like the worst right. idea. So it was summer at that point. You know, like I said, we'd probably been chatting for like six months. We said, well, we'll probably just base it around NFL. And we started doing NFL podcasts from there. So you guys are doing the podcast and is there a point where, you know, you're always sort of hoping that you could make a living during doing this, but was there a point where you're like, yeah, I think we can, or was that point literally when Betsperts comes along? Yeah, we, you know, we'd had a lot of opportunities. Like I don't want to put anyone in the industry down, but there was, there were opportunities that came along that we weren't comfortable with. Like there was, you get emails eventually once you get a half any, you know, half decent following and you get emails like, Hey, we mm-hmm. basically some, you know, some advertising deals that we just didn't want to delve into. We did a little bit, but we quickly realized like, you know, somebody bigger is going to have to come along. This isn't going to be, you know, ESPN isn't just going to call and say, Hey, we want, do we want the deep dive on ESPN <laughs> all of a sudden? It's just not, not quite how it right. works out. So 
you know, we, we'd said as long as we're having fun doing it and we're enjoying doing it, that we'll, you know, continue. Sure. And it, it didn't feel like extra work. That's why I didn't never minded, you know, staying late at work and recording these a couple nights a week. I never minded doing a little prep because and we'd always said that the, the prep was stuff we were doing anyway. You know, there's really, yeah. there's really not a lot of prep for the deep dive because all we, you know, I'm betting NFL. I'm, I'm living NFL. Yeah. I love the NFL. I'm doing research all, all week for my bets. I'm looking through this, that, and the other thing. The research is, uh, you know, being prepared for the podcast is just a, a byproduct of betting the NFL. So that's always kind of nice. Right. That's the easy part. It doesn't feel like work. It never has. We're still having a lot of fun doing it. So, and at this point, you know, we've gotten some opportunities to do some other stuff here and there. And it's, it's a lot of fun to, you know, just continue to talk sports. Yeah, so so Betsperts comes along and, and effectively buys the show. Um, you know, you said you were sort of waiting for the right opportunity. How does that happen? Um, do they approach you? Are you guys sort of asking around? And then all of a sudden you become the director of betting content. Um, was that a package deal? Did they have to throw in a draft pick? Or was the draft pick coming on your end? Well, you know, how did that work? No, I mean, it was completely separate deals. But we, you know, what they did approach us. And we decided it was kind of the right fit. We'd done some work with them in the past. We knew, you know, the owners. We knew the people who worked there. So it, it felt like a good fit at the time. And, it's, I mean, it still does. I kind of came out funny. It still feels like a good fit. It, <laughs> it's, it's been, it's worked out well. And then they asked, like, hey, we, you know, uh, several of them really weren't into gambling all that much. Um, you okay. know, Reed, Reed Rooney, the CEO, goes on record saying that. It's like, you know, there, there's a few industries that are taking off here. And, you know, sports gambling is one of them. And it's definitely going to take off, especially in the U.S. And he was, he was pretty excited to, you know, find a startup and build something here. So he wanted to bring someone on that had done some content, knew some people in the content space, kind of knew what people were looking for. And, you know, not, not only do I make a podcast, I listen to a lot of podcasts, even before it became my sure. job to listen to a bunch of podcasts. Cause I do that. I, I've probably listened to your podcast. If you make a sports betting podcast, cause I listen to a lot to see, you know, what, what's out there and what we might want to, you know, who we might want to work with or acquire. So, um, you know, even before right. that I did, I was a big consumer of sports gambling and sports podcasts in general. So I think it gave me some unique yeah. insight to kind of help this along as we are moving forward with it. So for those uh, listening who don't know what BetSperts is, uh, do you want to go ahead and sort of sum that up for them and sort of include what it is and what it's, you know, sort of going to be in the not so distant future? Yeah, it did start more as a tracking your picks app. And, it, you know, we saw a need out there for that where it was, you know, complete transparency. You can't put a pick in after a sports event starts. It has, it's just like somebody... Mm -hmm. Somebody asked me that once. Uh, somebody DM'd me or emailed with support like, hey, I changed my mind on this pick. What, what should I do? I'm like, well, what would you do if you did that at your sports book? <laughs> like, you just tell me you changed your mind. Like, <laughs> right. I, I don't want this bet anymore. Like, what can you do? You can bet the other side and eat the juice. That's what a gambler would have to do yeah. unless they were still standing at the counter. Right. I'm sure you can get away with it. But, I mean, that want to treat it just like it's it's actually – you know, these are your bets. This is a hundred percent transparent. Yeah. So it, it, it was more based around that tracking, the transparency, finding out what you're, you know, maybe you're good at one thing and not another. You can, you know, 
quickly and easily look at your stats and say, well, you know, you're, you're horseshit at football, but you're really good at baseball. You know, there, there's some, there's some, you right. know, or you can, you're really good at this kind of baseball. Or you're really good at first halves. You're doing well with this. You're doing good with NBA totals sides, not so much. So it, it does kind of bring out your expertise a little. And, uh, you know, of late we've moved more towards making it a social media, you know, platform where it can be just mm-hmm. all gambling. There's, you know, there's a feed right now we're working on continuing to improve that experience. Um, a lot of people are, you know, just posting their thoughts on there. It's it's similar to the way that, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people treat their Twitter. I've done something similar. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, mine has evolved over the years. I follow different people, but there's, you know, you have to curate it. I'm, I'm only following gambling accounts. I only want this kind of information. I'm muting this. I'm doing that. Whereas, you know, we want this to be your one-stop shop. You can track your picks. It can be social, you know, social media for just gambling, sports betting, and then also, you know, coming soon, uh, a lot more content because, you know, everybody wants to be able to find the content they want. And again, you want to be able to curate that. You want to be able to, you know, find things you're looking for, find uh, podcasts, articles, videos that you want to be seeing. So not only content, but, uh, you know, customizable content just for your, your particular needs and the, your needs and wants in the sports gambling space. The other thing with the the pick tracking too is that it's really good for people who haven't started betting yet, right? It's it's kind of like a good dress rehearsal type thing where if you think that you're you would be good at sports betting, eh, give it a try. But you know before you lose a ton of money, maybe try it through BetSperts, right? Where it's like they will hold you accountable for your picks, which is what you want before you start sinking a ton of money into thinking that you're really good. Right. So it's not just sort of the accountability of, you know, people on Twitter sort of talking about how they did. It's sort of a personal accountability if you're going to sort of, you know, try your hand at sports betting if you've never done it before. So um, check that out. Uh, Let's get into some college hoops. Let's talk some sports here, man. Enough enough about you and what you're doing over there. So uh, I guess fundamentally to start here what what is your process like when it comes to handicapping so talking with your partner drew he is heavily into modeling and looking at value from almost a strict numbers base would you say that you are similar to him exactly like him or are you taking it more from a different angle yeah i mean he's doing the nba that's such a news-based handicap like he does a very i love his model like how he you know, how he laid that out, Mm -hmm. how he does it, how he's been evolving with that over the years, but it's still so much of you can, you can, you know, run X, Y, and Z through your model and say that the nets are value. And then two players are sitting out uh, an hour before tip where this just, you know, it's been a little more prevalent this year with some COVID stuff, but college basketball just isn't that way. And also for the most part, Mm -hmm. I hate to like, rag on these kids but none of them matter they don't matter there's it, there's no you know, there's no uh, when you, especially when you're betting some of these small leagues like there's no lebron james on your team yeah. like there's nobody that's going to make such a such a huge difference if they're sitting or they're limited in minutes c- compared to you know i'm speaking relative to the nba like it just it's a completely different game sure. so for the most part my college basketball 
handicapping is all numbers based. I, I pull a lot of stats from a few different places. I run it through the ringer. I come up with my own numbers and just, I, you know, I, I look at my spreadsheet every day and I pull in the numbers and I compare and see where there's value. And then at that point, you, you know, you can't ever just black box something and say, I know people who have, but they, you know, they have enough fail safes in place to make it work. Whereas I'm a little more hands-on with this. And I enjoy that part too, where once I make value on a play, I do go do some double checking. It's like I, how I said, I found accidentally found that Steve Nash article and had to chuckle a little at that. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, there are cases where it's like, Oh, um, I brought this up the other day. I'm thinking it was, Drake, I'm trying to remember exactly who it was, but either way, there was a team and I showed massive value on them. Like just, oh my right. God, what what is okay. going on? I'm going to need to, like, if nothing comes up, I'm going to need to hammer this team. This is a huge play for me. And then you go and look and it's, and then uh, it instantly clicked because the day before that was a similar situation with this team. And I remembered they had four players like sitting out for suspensions or something. Right. It was oh okay. Wipe it off right. the board. Like I need to make a big adjustment for that. You know, if there if something something real quirky like yeah. that, obviously you have to make adjustments. But for the most part, strictly modeling there. Similarly with golf, I have my numbers. I'm still working on trying to make that better. But you do have to take into account course fit and how players are playing. Players switch clubs. Like hey, I'm trying a new set of irons this week. Like, there's a lot of stuff to take into account. Uh, from a qualitative standpoint rather than quantitative. And sure. that's something we talked about on the deep dive once. It's just every sport's so different. It's like a spectrum of, yeah. you know, this sport can be like 70% numbers, 30% context. One might be 50, 50, you know, it, yeah. it just varies so much by, by right. market. Well, in golf, you, you know, you're changing the literal playing yeah. field on a week to week basis. Right. So it's like, for one, it's a, you know, uh, a solo, you know, venture out there, right? Where, you know, you've got a college basketball team and two guys are out and it's like, does that really mean all that much? Obviously, you know, there can't be two people out for a golf tournament, but like if something's happening with that individual, you know, you obviously don't know anything about it, whether it's a sore leg or something going on in his personal life. And then he's traveling around, he's going to these different courses and literally playing on a different playing field each time. So yeah, I mean, there obviously has to be sort of a qualitative element to that as sort of as best you can you can assign. Um, as for this season in college basketball, I think a lot of people are, you know, looking at February, especially this season, as the start of the season for real, right? As like, okay, we weren't necessarily positive we were going to make it this far, but we've made it this far. You can sort of see the tournament at the very... I don't want to say least because we saw what happened last year, but the very least, you know, the tournament, maybe not so many conference tournaments, that's a bigger conversation. So um, are you the type to, you know, you're talking about, you know, using your numbers on a daily basis to bet sides. Do you bet totals as well? And do you take any of that and extrapolate that into futures for the NCAA tournament? Nothing I do with totals right now is public. Like I've, Dabble, okay. I'm dabbling, but I'm still not super comfortable. You know, it's funny you talked about using like the Betspert app sure. to maybe just trade. We call it tra trading on paper, where you're just pretending to bet. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is still just 
paper trading. A lot of it is just back testing still. I'm not 100% confident in my total stuff yet, but I am excited to hopefully be confident because totals are softer. Like it's, it's an easier market to be. So hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully I'll get there. I don't know if it's been the best year to really be doing this with all the goofiness. There's like, you know, the, for sure. On any given day, there's a handful of teams that are coming off a two week break or longer. There's been 40 day breaks right. for some of these teams. Yep. So the, the uniqueness of some of the situations, I think, are skewing things and it becomes a problem where there's a lot of games you have to throw out of your sample every day. So. That's tough. It's just tough for me. Uh, and it's been a trying year. I've I've had a nice run of late, but the beginning of the year was tricky. I've never actually bet that early in a year before. I just kind of took off, see, see what would happen. Okay. It turned out that wasn't the best idea in the world. But uh, so far, you know, the, uh, <laughs> January into February has been pretty decent. Um, I'm a lot lower volume than I was last year. I think that, you know, probably just mm-hmm. the fact that we're having so many canceled games and situations that are putting me off things, that's – that's the there too. And I don't bet a lot of yeah, futures anymore. And it goes back to, okay. it's such a, there's such a high hold. There's such a high over round in futures to begin with, where a person should probably avoid yeah. them unless the number can actually beat that much vague. Not that I don't in other sports, but I, I just get so tilted with college basketball. I had three a couple of years ago. They were all really good. They were all ended up getting a much better number than what happened, you know, what, what they posted before the tournament. And they were all three ended up sure. getting drawn into the same regional. In fact, two played each other in the second round. <laughs> right. It's like, what, what is this? What is this? Uh, and, you know, they, so they were all dead fairly quickly. I do have a, I do have a Gonzaga future because I, I love this team. And okay. you know, that, that's the only thing I'm sitting on. Probably the only thing I will sit on. I have placed futures pre-tournament um but i will wait sure. for like the draw and then evaluate those numbers so like yeah i usually, i'm, I'm uh, more lucky than what? good when it comes to those even though i just described an incredibly unlucky right. situation i did have virginia sure. pre- I, I took them after the draw in the the one what was that two years ago now where the yep. every single yep. game came down to like some crazy flurry at the end where they should have lost like the last three games yeah. at that right. point Purdue and, 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 and all those games were so wild so that's where i'm like well i'm not hedging any of this because why this this is we're playing with house money you know, guaranteed uh at this point so um yeah i'll take it pretty easy on that i do love conference tournaments i um that was a big pain in my yeah. butt last year when they canceled you know at the halftime of that uh, st yes. john's game I write an article for every yeah. single conference tournament and I make at least one future bet for every single conference tournament every year. So I had okay. God knows how many articles for tournaments that either didn't start or didn't complete. I think only five or six. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like if that um, I've been in or had been in a college uh, conference tournament. Oh yeah. 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 That. Uh, I don't know if, like, maybe you were in it too. Uh, these things sort of <laughs> have a tendency to sort of be small world in a lot of ways. Um, but and it was a, it was my favorite thing. It was my favorite thing that we did all year because it was so deep. You had to pick the winner of the tournament, and you had to pick every game within every tournament. And so I would just create this massive, you know, Excel sheet with all of the brackets for all of the tournaments. 
and you know you got points based on seating and all of that like incredibly fun stuff and right before the tournaments last year the guy who ran it announced that this was going to be the last year that he was going to do it because you know labor intensive and blah 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 and like it was the worst email i've ever received in my life because i was just devastated by it and then of course like a week later <laughs> the conference tournaments all get canceled and i'm like you couldn't even give me 10 more days to sort of say goodbye to my favorite event um you know my favorite pool of the year like come on world give me a break um so believe me i know exactly what you're talking about from that i standpoint. just went and found my spreadsheet kind of sad it looks like more of them than i thought <laughs> but i do remember i do remember yeah. like seeing a couple of my offshore accounts pop up in the uh the amount they had like you know uh, it's like you win right. it was just because like i i don't know how many futures that i'd placed canceled and refunded it's like oh i, I got a bunch sure. of money back who yeah. knows if i'd have done well with these but i even i had a couple winners even look at that i took the field versus northern iowa in the in the mvc i think that one cashed on me the first day oh, okay it's uh I, that's that's why i do enjoy those quite a yeah, bit right. you can do some field bets you can take a couple you know once the brackets are out it, it's almost like you know breaking down the bracket but on a way smaller scale. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Those are, I, I enjoy those more than the big tournament to tell you the truth. Yeah. We'd get to selection Sunday and we'd be so exhausted because we take in, and I did it with a buddy of mine who'd sort of take like, you know, there's what 30 conferences and I'd sort of give him like eight of them because I'm like, I can't do all of these because it's just, it's just too much. And by the time selection Sunday would roll around, we'd be exhausted, like literally and figuratively, like not enough sleep because we're watching, you know, big West games late at night. And obviously all the games start really early and you got to submit picks every single day for every single game. And obviously don't know the matchups until, you know, the games are played and, and, then you just sort of realize it's Selection Sunday, like the actual tournament. The thing that used to be our highlight of the year is still to come, right? You're just like, just like wiping the sweat from your brow and being like, oh, okay, we are not done here. We've got uh, much more going on. So, you know, hopefully we get that this year. So specifically with regards to some teams here, you know, um, are there teams, if you're, you know, if you're not backing them from a futures standpoint, are there teams that you're watching that, you know, you think are, you know, just in general, the market hasn't caught up to or that the market um, is underrating as, you know, for the rest of the regular season or into conference play or something that even might get you to actually bet a future? And on the flip side, are there teams right now that you're seeing in the market that you're just skeptical of? Right. I know a lot of people kind of trash Iowa as the sort of poster boy, poster boys uh, of, you know, NCAA right now, because it's like, well, they don't play any defense and like they, you know, they're way overrated and like Ken Palm has them way too high and all of that kind of thing. Are there teams like that for you? And on the flip side, are there teams that you're like, this team's really good and maybe it's just a matter of they need to stay healthy because they've been on COVID break and stuff like that. You know, are, are you looking at it that way or is it just like on a day-to-day -day basis, just strictly numbers? It's pretty numbers based, but I do run, um, and this is just not something I've done yet, but I, I do take a different uh, set of numbers and, and kind of mash them up and put some prices together for conference tournaments for, you know, the national tournament to just compare teams. Because right now mm -hmm. I'm just, I want to compare team A playing against team B with X amount of days of rest at sure. a certain arena. 
Now that's all I'm doing right now. But once we get to conference tournament, I do run some different numbers to see who I'm seeing value in. And it's funny, I did say I write I write for every conference tournament. I don't write for the big six because enough people do those. Like I just okay. ignore those. But I still I I will run my numbers yeah. and I will blindly place six futures bets into those. And I've been halfway lucky with uh, those over the years. Obviously, I didn't get much out of those this year. I did have a St. John's. That was, like I said, the very last game that was halfway played last year. I was hoping that they would get through a little further. Mm But, um, you know, I I do run some numbers on there. I haven't done that yet. If I had to, you know, say a team that maybe is undervalued, um, it's tough because so much of the market is gobbled up by Baylor and Gonzaga. And they are that good. I mean, it might be yeah. one, one A, and then mm-hmm. there's not a two, three, or four. It's like the you know the the Michigan, Virginia, Illinois, Tennessee, that whole chunk, whatever you know, uh, Alabama, West Virginia, Wisconsin. All those teams are just they're a distant chunk of second. Whereas maybe you know I could get behind a team, right? And I haven't looked deep into this, but when you get into a tournament, good coaching, good guard play. You know, like uh, Alabama, Villanova has been kind of a team that's been down, but they still have such a good coach and they have, you know, such experience. Like a a team with a good coach and a couple good guards I could get behind if I could find a right price. And like I said, I'll probably end up evaluating that. But, I mean, just off the top of my head, those good coaches, decent teams can shoot the three ball decent down in Alabama there. So maybe somebody I'd look at, but right now I'm, I'm just hoping Gonzaga gets a decent draw. And I, from a standpoint of a fan, I hope Baylor and Gonzaga are on opposite sides of the bracket. I want to see that game. Yeah. I can't imagine they wouldn't be um, as a sort of personal question then. Um, and I talked about this team yesterday in the podcast. So, so be gentle. Um, the Oregon ducks, not a team that has really a resume because they haven't played um, full strength yeah. essentially all year up until this past weekend. And when you're talking good coaches and little final four experience and just a team that when they get off the bus, right, you just look at them and you go, okay, like that's a team that could play on the big stage, right? The, and the literal big stage of, you know, the elevated uh, court in you know some cavernous dome that that should be interesting given the fact that I don't know how many people are going to be there um you know I, I'm looking at them right now as a team that like it's almost because we don't know enough about them but we know that they've got good players and that they've got a good coach is that you know how do you feel about that sort of idea and again be gentle if you don't if you just completely no disagree. and and like I said you know not only do I not um do those articles or futures for, I do the futures, but I I don't really, I don't bet major conferences for the most part. So I haven't had to pay attention to those. And then, you know, people said, well, do you, do you watch the, do you watch the games you bet? Not very often, man. I still watch the good games. Like I'm, I'm going to bet, you know, I'll bet sacred heart, but I'm still going to watch Marquette Butler, you know, things like that. So I do watch those teams, but it it Mm -hmm. does get tricky this time of year because, you know, you, especially when you don't have a good non-conference, you've had a weird schedule, you've had a weird season, and then you get these games. And that's why I, I think coaching does play a big part once you get to March. You get matchups you don't see that often. You play teams you wouldn't normally play. You know, you'd have to make some sort of weird deal to play them in the pre – not preseason, but non-conference schedule. So you get a lot of really goofy matchups. So, I mm-hmm. mean, any like yeah, like I said, and you kind of – 
echoing my sentiment there. If you a good a, a team with some experience mm-hmm. and a good coach is is never a bad thing. And I think you know in Oregon's case, you'd probably have to look at the draw. Although uh, I'm old and I'm washed, and you're yeah. further east than I am, like I don't I don't catch as much Pac-12 mm-hmm. as I used to because I'm so tired. Like staying up, my sleep is my sleep is ruined right now. <laughs> right. Anyway, from the Australian Open, like I bet Santa Clara last night. I didn't right. catch that game. I, I woke up and checked the score when I woke. You know, when I got up. <laughs> right, about five minutes before you tweeted out the uh, the Steve Nash picture. Basically, it's when you found out who actually won the game. Um, so okay, then if you had to save, right? If we had this situation again, you know, God forbid, man. Whew. Uh, but if you had to save one mid-major small conference tournament from being canceled, what would it be and why? Like, is it because maybe there's a team that you love betting on and you know that you're going to get a good price, you know, when it comes to their conference tournament? Or, you know, you just are really, you know, you love everything inv- involving, you know, you, or you've had like a really great record betting like the Missouri Valley or something along those lines. And you just like I'm hot in that in that section. Is there one that you would you know throw your throw yourself in front of uh, in order to keep that alive for uh, for the first week of oh, March? Oh man, some of those small ones, the early the early ones, you know, conference tournaments feel like it takes like two and a half weeks. And like you said, Selection Sunday, there's tournaments that go yeah. into Selection Sunday. Their finals are like Sunday morning. But yeah. I've I've had really good success in the Big South. I think I, I think I might have crushed one there a couple okay. years in a row. I know I got Winthrop last year at a plus money. I was gonna say, yeah, it's Winthrop and like Campbell. Oh yeah, Campbell. Campbell I, it looks like yeah, it looks like I, I had it. So. I, I took Asheville at fifty to one to win that as well last year. I'm just looking at what I did place last year, but um, right. yeah, the Big South. I, I have I have enjoyed watching those games, and that's what's fun too. I, I talk about not watching the games, but once you get into tournament play. And there's games, you know, every sure. day, every day, those two, three weeks, whatever it is, you have like games at 11 a.m. where it's just like, and, and, and it's not some terrible mm-hmm. game. It's a meaningful game for those kids. Like it's, it's their conference yeah. tournament. And you see that every oh, year where somebody, somebody who maybe wasn't going to get in wins the conference tournament. Uh, last year, I'm not, I guess I'm not, I'm not a big bracketology guy. I'm almost embarrassed to say, like, I don't know, like, if a team is really on the bubble, but um, San Diego State, great team. But uh, Utah State got it, you know, Utah State won the Mountain West. I think that's the one, wasn't it? That's uh, that's one of the Vegas tournaments. That was, that was an awesome game. Yeah, you got the three at the end yeah, there. Like from the, Sam the, those are yeah. those are so fun. Yeah. I know it screws somebody else over when there's a good, good, good team in a mid major that doesn't win their conference. But I think those are more fun than anything. Where somebody, right. somebody like they weren't getting in. You know, if a team you know that wasn't going to get in does get right. in, or a team that was pretty heavily into the bubble, maybe they're in, maybe they're not, and they're able to win their conference tournament and just punch an auto ticket. So I enjoy those a lot. And you know, with like the big South and yeah. stuff, that's all just one bid, one bid leagues like that. Those that's what's so fun about those. Like, this is your only <laughs> right. way you're getting in. You don't see the the malaise of a a team like Gonzaga sometimes, where you know they don't they don't give a rat's patoot about the conference tournament. Some years it feels like. Yeah, well, like I, I mentioned, the Missouri Valley, right? That's one that's often prime for a team that's in first place the entire way, 
And then that tournament seems to be, for whatever reason, always kind of wonky, where the fifth seed always somehow wins. And then that one seed that, you know, is, go- is on the bubble is going to get bounced off of the bubble by the selection committee because they're just sort of, you know, looking to get Syracuse in for the eight millionth time. And that's where it's, it, you know, you sort of have a, uh, yeah, a bit of a sour taste in your mouth. But like, like you said, the Big South and, and some of these other ones, right, the Sun Belt like these conferences that the games are really entertaining. It's not necessarily the best basketball. The best part is finding the feed for the league. Like it's not even like ESPN (laughs) plus until the championship game, (laughs) like the quarterfinal is like, you know, sunbelt.com or whatever. And so, um, yeah, I mean, uh, those are always uh, just a ton of fun and I'm getting fired up. And and I mean, that's why I started. Yeah. That's why I started um, writing those articles because of the differences. Every tournament's so different. They run their yeah. brackets goofy. Some of them are, you know, this is going to be home court. Yeah. We're going to do neutral site for the finals or the semis in the finals. Some do the triple buys. Like, there was so much confusion. Right. I just started writing it all down once. Yeah. I'm like, I should just, try. I've written an article here. I should just put yeah. this out. Well, that's that's what I was saying about, like, uh, building those, those into oh, a yeah. spreadsheet of just sort of creating this 30 um, bracket thing for uh for the contest and um because year to year a lot of times they'll switch right they'll like one year they're doing the flat line bracket where the one and two like gets a bye to the semis but like there's still like a a five round affair that takes five days just to get to um those semifinals it's uh yeah incredibly fun times uh one last question because i loved this line and i don't want to steal it i want to give you full sort of credit for it the nfl draft betting uh, Trevor Lawrence is like minus 5,000 to go first. What has to happen for Trevor Lawrence not to go first? Oh, yeah, I can't remember what I did say, but like he would have to commit some sort of heinous crime and be in prison. Or, or, or I, I was going through that <laughs> thinking of like how does it – he would maybe disappear off the face of the earth and go, go missing and just like hiding in the Caymans or something. Yeah, that would be – it would take something. Although I did see an article today saying there are teams yeah. – that have the BYU kid, Wilson, rated above Trevor Lawrence. I'm just assuming none of those teams have Urban Meyer for a coach. Hmm. Yeah, and that also sounds vaguely made up, like trying to trick Urban Meyer into drafting him uh, or something along those lines. Anyway, yeah, I love that line, and so I'm going to steal it now, but at least I can refer back to it when, you know, talking about this podcast. So you see how that works. Um, Outstanding, I mean, Awesome stuff, man. Appreciate your time. Uh, go ahead and plug the podcast and the YouTube channel and all of that stuff, especially as it pertains to where people can find these bets that you. Oh, will be yes. Anytime I place a bet, I will be putting it out on the BetSperts app. You can set an alert. It's, uh, you know, so a couple of people complained like, oh, you're not going to put it on Twitter anymore. Like, this should be a good thing. Like, now you just get an alert when I put a play and, you know, because people would set up their Twitter to give them alerts whenever I tweeted to get these plays, but then they're getting tweets about me, you know, tweeting about God knows what, because I tweet some stupid stuff sometimes. <laughs> I can't imagine having alerts set for right. me, but no, I do put them on the BetSperts app, and you can set an alert to get an alert immediately when I put a play in if you want to take that out and tail it or fade it or do whatever you want with it. So on the BetSperts app, my username is just Andy because I have a super early adopter that signed up a couple of years ago and I just got my, my name. Like, I don't have to throw numbers or anything at the end of it. It's like an OG username. And then of course, like you mentioned, the deep dive, we do that every Monday and Wednesday. 
Um, we're doing live streams with those still. We're putting them on the YouTube channel. I don't even know if we're podcasters anymore. We might be streamers who put out a podcast version. So those are on the, you know, the deep dive podcast well, YouTube channel. You can subscribe to that if you want to get alerts to that. And then, you know, of course the podcast for people who do want to listen to it while they're doing something else. Those are out everywhere. You can find podcasts. And then I'm still doing my daily show at 1130 Eastern. Um, that's going to pop up on my Twitter feed as well, but that is on the, the same YouTube channel. We just share that on the YouTube channel so you don't have to follow anything else. The Brown Bag Bets with my co-host Alex Christensen. That one's a little shorter. The deep dive's, you know, long form. This is 20 minutes. Yeah, it's we're doing deep 20 dive. minutes just knocking out. Here's what we're playing today. Here's our thoughts for the day. Sometimes we'll have a quick guest talking about something that we don't know as much about. So that one's a lot of fun, and that is daily on YouTube and my Periscope. Right on. And of course, everything is available. If you even want to get notifications of Steve Nash pictures at Andy MSFW on Twitter. Thanks for coming oh, on. I appreciate man. you having me. It was a lot of fun. Fun chat with Andy there as he's getting me fired up for college basketball and the conference tournaments and, of course, the NCAA tournament. Um, as for my college hoop stuff, three and three yesterday. And Unlike the 3-3 three and three the day before, this one actually felt a little bit lucky and sort of a weird parallel here with Nebraska and Maryland. So on Tuesday, Tuesday night, we talked about how, you know, Nebraska probably deserved to cover that game. Tie a game with seven minutes to go, you're getting 10 points, and they just sort of fade completely down the stretch, and Maryland ends up covering. Yesterday, Maryland's got the big lead throughout, you know, frankly, much of the game, certainly the second half, I think stretched even to close to a 20-point lead. And then Nebraska comes back and essentially gets the backdoor cover with a few buckets late in the game to only lose by, I believe it was eight. So, you know, that could have been two and four last night, but the night before could have just as easily been four and two or five and one. So, you know, probably ends up being about right over the course of what, 12 plays over the last two nights. So it's been Splitsville pretty much entirely uh, across the board this week when it comes to the hoops. Um, Thursday night plays. I've got three so far and I'm looking at two more. Um, Wichita State, plus seven and a half at home to Houston. Obviously, Houston, very good team. Wichita State has had their issues this season, especially at the start of the season, um, having to fire Greg Marshall. And uh, I just think there's a couple, you know, a couple points too many here. My number is closer to five and a half on this game. It opened eight and has sort of traveled towards me um, getting down to seven and a half. I think seven and a half still good enough there. Wisconsin, uh, I dragged my feet on this in part because, you know, we saw what we saw with this Wisconsin team super soft on Sunday against Michigan. But the reality is they did take a 14 point lead, a 13 point second half lead. Uh, against the Wolverines here. They're at home. They're against an Iowa team that, frankly, just as soft when it comes to their style of play. So this number opens, you know, soft open of Iowa minus one, moves to Wisconsin minus two. Uh, and so I'm getting a bit of a bad number here, but at minus two, I think that's still a number that I'm willing to play. So I'm going to play that. Um, hopefully the market is correct in this move and I'm correct in sort of um, assuming that we're going to get a better effort here um, 
from Wisconsin and just a better physical effort uh, from them against Iowa. And then finally, Oregon State plus two and a half here. I just kind of think I'm getting two and a half points of value. I don't see why Utah should be favored on the road kind of against anybody here in the Pac-12. So we're going to take the plus two and a half with Oregon State. And then the two that I'm still looking at here, Penn State opened plus five and a half against Ohio State. Didn't grab it, thought we could get to six just because of how well Ohio State has been playing, but it's moved towards me here at plus four and a half. So I'm going to wait on this and maybe try to get, you know, see if we can get a plus five to sort of split the difference here between the opening number and the current price. And then the game that we talked about uh, a couple of nights ago, uh, Oregon minus three. Uh, this line has moved from Pickham minus one opening to Oregon minus three. Seems to even be ticking up a little bit more here if you read the juice that you're going to have to pay now on Oregon minus three. Don't know that I necessarily love that. Obviously, we have some investment in Oregon winning this game based on the fact that we played Oregon Futures um, yesterday. So on the fence from that standpoint. And then one more, uh, which I don't think I'm going to play here. Uh, I was looking at Rutgers plus 10 against Michigan. That's dropped to plus nine. Fundamentally, you know, I think we're headed in the right direction, obviously, with regards to that number being too high at plus 10. Still a little bit high for me at plus nine. I had this closer to eight. Is that enough for me to want to fade Michigan at this point? Not really. It's just one that I just kind of feel like is better left alone. So that's the story for college basketball. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. And of course, we can't forget our boy Laszlo. Let's do that hockey. The model goes one and one last night. We had Chicago and Detroit. Again, what was the handicap? Coin flip game. Um, we're getting plus 115. think there was even some plus 120 available out there if you got that. Expected goals for 5 on 5, 1.6 to 1.55. Uh, the Red Wings, 6 high danger scoring chances, 5 on 5, and Chicago, 2. So, you know what? I think that was pretty well handicapped with regards to the five on five, or the you know five on five element. Um, the fact that it was sort of a 50-50 game. Um, Chicago gets one goal, right? They get a goal on a power play that was on a rush. Uh, beautiful goal, you know. Give uh, give the Blackhawk player credit. He, he he gets through the defense and beats the goaltender on sort of a half breakaway. But you know that play's got to get stopped. And you know this is the NHL here. This is professional hockey. This isn't eleven year olds out there. So that game's you know probably should be zero zero uh, in regulation and frankly go to overtime, which I talked about in the Action Network preview. Not ideal if you're facing Chicago in overtime. So even if they went to overtime, listen, Chicago's probably going to win that game. The unfortunate part is Detroit not being able to get a goal against Chicago, which is obviously not something that Chicago has been relying on, you know, when it comes to shutting teams out. So that's a loser on the flip side. Edmonton gets there against Winnipeg, striking fear in our hearts as we see Mike Smith, in fact, back in the net for reasons that are beyond me, um, but he plays pretty well. Um, and, you know, as much as we want to sort of complain about the high danger chance uh, discrepancy in the Chicago-Detroit game, Edmonton and Winnipeg, Edmonton only has two high danger chances, five on five in this one, despite having just absolutely racked them up in the previous game. And Winnipeg had five of them, a couple of quick goals, two with inside of about 30 seconds for Edmonton gets things started from for them, and they are able to hang on for the victory. So, a dead even sweep. They're down a unit on the underdog, win the unit back on the favorite. So just a completely splitty type of a night.
Um, one other game from last night uh, segues us nicely into tonight, and that's Ottawa-Toronto, right? Ottawa has sort of been our pet team as this, um, you know, sort of guinea pig for both the model and the idea of, you know, how well you play five on five and you're going to be a massive underdog in, in all of these games. And as they play this three-game stretch here with Toronto being massive underdogs here as well, it just hasn't made any sense up until this point. I mean, it made sense, I suppose, through about a period and a half in the first game on Monday. But last night, Ottawa loses 2-1 to one on, you know, frankly, kind of a fluky goal, right? Ball, uh, puck bounces off a, hel- a mask, a post, a pad, and ends up in the net from a sort of third string type of a guy. Um, 1.84 to 1.92 Ottawa to Toronto in the expected goals for 5-on-5. Five five. Ottawa actually had more high danger chances 5-on-5 five five at 12-10, to 10, and they both converted one. Obviously, the other being uh, the game-winning goal for Toronto, which certainly uh, I don't think was a, a high danger chance. And so you look at this game, you know, they're back at it again tonight, same location in Toronto. So it's going to be the same price, right? It's going to be plus 255 for Ottawa. And we've seen, you know, obviously Ottawa wins the game on Monday despite being outplayed. Like there's no denying that they were outplayed and they come back and they and they tie it force overtime and win the game in OT. But yesterday's game, in a game where Toronto is supposed to come out with some urgency, they, you know, I'm not saying they didn't, they came out with a different game plan. And we'll sort of talk about that in a second here. But fundamentally, I'm actually more impressed with Ottawa from last night's game than I was in the first because Matt Murray again played very well that's the goaltending that we need from Ottawa to be you know able to back them at a huge price and so I think we have to go back to Ottawa we have to go back and so at this point I wasn't looking to do that but having seen that game and just watching these two teams play and just being like yeah they are you know, maybe not dead evenly matched five on five, but it's a lot closer than this price indicates. And so I think it's worth taking a shot plus 250 or more. couple of factors here as well. We're not sure, of course, who's going to start in goal. You know, absolute bane of my existence to the point to this point this season is not knowing, especially when we talk on the podcast here, is not knowing who's going to be in net, right? So Matt Murray, you know, back after missing a couple of games, is he going to be back off, you know, in net on uh, sort of a you know back-to-back type of thing, or are they going back to Hogberg in uh, in the net who you know gave up five goals to Toronto on Monday, right? So we're not interested in backing Hogberg in, in that situation for Toronto. This is their first back-to-back game in quite some time. They've been you know they've had some uncertainty at the backup goaltender. Um, Jack Campbell has been out for a while. He may return, or they're sort of, last I heard, he was sort of close to coming back. And Michael Hutchinson is their backup goaltender, who obviously they haven't been looking to trust at any point in time. So will this be the situation against the quote-unquote league's worst team, or at least the division's worst team, giving him a chance? So a couple of moving pieces there. Obviously, if Toronto is starting either Campbell off of a long stretch here or Hutchinson, Ottawa becomes even more valuable. And I don't know how much necessarily the market is going to adjust. It's certainly not going to adjust all the way to below plus 200. So you're going to get plus 200 or better on the Senators, even with Toronto's backup goaltender. in. On the flip side, again, if Murray's out and Hogberg's in, we don't want anything to do with Ottawa. Where I am sort of interested in, and this is all available in an Action Network preview, by the way, check that out but 
What I am interested in here is this concept of, okay, you know, Toronto gets to a big lead on Monday, they blow it, and the focus is defense in that next game. And so it takes you that sort of kind of disaster to get locked in defensively um, for a game or two. And then they go and they win the game two to one. So there's some uh, positive reinforcement to that, right? It's like you played better defense, you won the game. Like that's what we should be doing here. So if that's what they should be doing and, you know, back-to-back nights, I think we're going to get a better defensive effort or the same defensive effort essentially from Toronto. When that happens, you know, Ottawa's happy to play that two to one game because listen, it's a one, one game at the end of the second intermission or the start of the third period, I should say. Um, and Ottawa would take that every single time. And we would take that if we're backing Ottawa plus 250 or better, or plus 200 or better. We're certainly willing to take that. But if we're talking like that's a game strategy and we're getting six and a half here as the total, why wouldn't we play under that thinking that, again, this game may be played pretty close to the vest yet again? Uh, elsewhere on the ice tonight, uh, one other play that, again, I wrote about in the Action Network um, preview section uh, Columbus and Nashville. And fundamentally, the uh, the number is correct in this game. And actually, in theory, based on sort of everything that we've seen from the entire season as far as numbers getting piled up here, the number makes sense with Columbus as a short favorite here. But when you look deeper into it, and again, I wrote all about this, you have to sort of differentiate the current numbers with the entire season. So Nashville, for example, hasn't really done all that much, but neither have the Blue Jackets. So they're both sort of subpar type teams here over the course of the season. But for Nashville, there's an offensive issue in that they don't really have very much. And there's a goaltending issue in that they don't know who their best goaltender is right now. Pekka Rene has just played two games. Uh, eventually, they're going to give Saros another chance. I think, you know, it seems like that's going to happen again tonight where he's going to be back in. Whereas Columbus missing one of their two guys that sort of allow each guy to get enough rest where they become better whenever they're able to play sort of half the games. And Elvis Merzlikens comes back. And that means Jonas Corposalo doesn't have to play every single game or almost every single game, which is obviously something that he's just not used to. So Merzlikens comes back, he relieves Corpusalo, who gave up five goals in two periods earlier on this week. Merzlikens gave up two goals in the third period, but it was good to have him just at least get some action in. So if he's starting tonight, he's not starting, you know, rusty, right? He's not starting for the first time in a couple of weeks. He's played already. And so I think there's a goaltending advantage there with Columbus offensively Columbus has been much better we took advantage of that a couple of weeks I believe it was Super Bowl Sunday where we took an over that was a five and a half point uh five and a half point uh, five and a half goal excuse me uh number and against Carolina I believe it was and that sailed over by the second period because Columbus I'm not going to say they've completely changed their strategy here and they're all of a sudden this uh, you know incredible offensive team but with Line and Roslovich from Winnipeg, both guys at about a point per game here since coming over, they've seen an offensive spark here. So you can't judge Columbus right this second by what they've done over the course of the entire season, because obviously they didn't have Line A, they didn't have Roslovich, and they also didn't have Pierre-Luc Dubois, or they did, but there was all sorts of, you know, kind of chaos going on with regards to him. So I'm looking at, you know, essentially these last few games, and I'm going, well, Columbus has actually cranked it up here offensively, 
they've got a more solidified goaltending situation, or at least we're hoping they do, um, now that they can kind of go back and forth between Corpus Salo and Merzlikens. Again, I'm assuming Merzlikens gets the start here. Again, you just never know at this point. Uh, you never know until they're literally coming onto the ice, it seems, these days, which is incredibly annoying. Um, and then Nashville, just completely lost when it comes to who's going to play in net. And they don't have a catalyst offensively that's going to change the way they play, right? The way that Roslovic and Line have been for Columbus. That person's not coming through the door for Nashville. I mean, maybe they make a trade at some point this season and spark something, but it just doesn't really seem all that likely. Um, the other game I wanted to play, the world just does not want Dallas and Tampa Bay to play. Of course, the start of the season was supposed to be Dallas and Tampa Bay, a rematch of the Stanley Cup Finals last year. And of course, that doesn't happen because Dallas has COVID issues to start the season. And then now Dallas has weather and all the chaos that's going on in Texas. So, you know, they've had all their games canceled this week. So again, we for the second time, we miss out on Dallas-Tampa Bay, which is a bummer. Uh, and then one last thing. Big day yesterday for sports betting in Canada. As the vote for single-game betting went through, 303 to 15, just an absolute truck job for the yes. A big step uh, to a change in the betting landscape. And now the question is, is that good? And only time will tell. We'll see. But if you're interested in this topic in general, whether you're Canadian or not, and you haven't already, check out my podcast with Canadian Gambling Association uh, CEO Paul Burns from December 23rd on the podcast feed. And we discuss sort of what to expect with regards to the vote and then sort of the timeline that kind of comes after the vote. Uh, interesting conversation with him. Uh, we're back tomorrow. A uh, look ahead to the college basketball schedule for the weekend here on the Friday show. And the 10 teams I think can win the national championship so that we can keep an eye on those teams going forward. Not necessarily who we're betting on from a future standpoint, because obviously prices and how far we think they can get for hedging and all of that kind of thing are involved there. But the 10 teams I think that can win the national championship. Thanks for listening to this one. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. You can find me at MRussAuthentic on Twitter for all the sports betting fun. Until next time, I'll see you at the window.